Back with another edition of the Boilers Extra Podcast. JC Online through SoundCloud, Mike Carmen. After the Boilermakers beat Nebraska in Lincoln, 75 to 58. Um, probably for 30 minutes, this was a closer game than most expected, but, you know, Purdue did what it had to do. And I think the last time um, I was on the, the same uh, podcast airwaves, I said this would be a mature game for Purdue just to see how mature they've uh, they've come this year and being able to handle a game that they should win, they needed to win, uh, on the road against a team that they needed to handle, and they did. Now, you know, it wasn't... It was never going to be a blowout from the start. Um, and there were going to be struggles. And there were. You know, Purdue had an 11-point lead in the first half. It was a three-point lead at halftime. Purdue got behind uh, early in the second half. And then, and then boom, 21-4 to run. And all of a sudden, they're, they're walking out to their bus, getting on their bus, going to the plane, and coming home with a victory, and their 10th victory in the Big Ten this year. Now, raise your hands if you thought Purdue would win 10 games in the Big Ten this season, playing 20. Seeing none, I'll continue. I just don't think you anybody went into this season with the makeup of this team, the the youth on this team, and having no seniors um, would go in and thinking, yes, this is a 10-win Big Ten team. Now, getting 10 wins in this Big Ten is quite an accomplishment because uh, of the strength of the league. So, yeah, it, it was it it wasn't out of the question that Purdue could win 10 games in this league, it really really wasn't. Um, But I'm not sure that was at the forefront of a lot of people's, on a lot of people's mind when this season started, that this team could win 10 in this league. Now, they've won 10 games in this league, and they should win some more. But when you look at who they've beaten in this league, or more importantly, maybe who they've lost to in this league, they have lost to Michigan at the top. They've lost to Illinois at the top. And Illinois just, just destroyed Minnesota on the road uh, Saturday. You know, they've lost to Iowa, which is in fourth place right now. They beat Ohio State twice. So, I mean, those are those are really good wins right now for Purdue. But they've taken care of business. Um, and, you know, and that's the most, most important thing you do. Uh, in in this in this league is just take care of business, take care of the teams you should beat. There are a couple games out there that Purdue wishes it had back or had finished, but on the same side, there's a couple games that Purdue, you know, um, pulled pulled a, pulled some games out. So it all evens out in the end. And they're sitting there at ten and six. Uh, they're supposed to have four games left. Right now, three are on the schedule. All three are winnable. All three are, you know, are games that Purdue probably will be favored in. Now, the Penn State game might be a little bit of a question 
whether they'll be favored or not, but they're going to be favored at home against Wisconsin. They're going to be favored at home against Indiana. Uh, and if that Nebraska game gets on the schedule, they're going to be favored at home against Nebraska. Uh, so they got a, they got an opportunity to finish 14-6 and six in the league, and that... And that may not be enough to get you to the four, number four spot uh, in the in the league standings because Iowa's ahead of them. And if Iowa doesn't lose the rest of the way, you know, they, Iowa holds a tiebreaker. You know, Purdue has to finish ahead of Iowa to get that number four spot or at least finish ahead of Iowa. But anyway, that that's kind of looking ahead. But back to back to the game and the the, the storyline of the game that everybody will write about and talk about will be Sasha Stefanovic and you know I, I wrote about it other other people wrote about it uh, and and rightfully so you know he hadn't hit a three-pointer since he came back from COVID he he was 0 for 12 before you know he hit one tonight and then he hit two and then he hit three and then he hit four and you could tell uh, a bit of a weight was lifted off his shoulder. Uh, you could tell the team really embraced that moment when he when he hit the first one and then came back and less than 40 seconds later and hit the next one and then later about four minutes later in the game he hit a he hit two more back to back within like 25 seconds. Um, so he, he he's regained his touch, um, which. Which, which is a big deal coming out of this game because Purdue has struggled from the three-point line. He has struggled from the three-point line. Uh, and it is somewhat of a missing piece for this offense that if you can get, if this team can get consistent three-point shooting, not just from uh, Stefanovic, but, you know, Brandon Newman, Jade Nivey, Eric Hunter, uh, although Eric's game is more mid-range, but he can hit the three. You know, if you can, Isaiah Thompson had a had a, a important three pointer in the first half. If you can get steady production from the three point line, and if Travion Williams continues to do what Travion Williams is doing, and Zach Eady continues to do what Zach Eady is doing, then you've got a really dangerous team that opponents have to defend offensively. What do you take away? And you know, Michigan State did not double. On the uh, on Travion or Zach down low, because they were fearful of what would happen on the three-point line. You know, tonight Nebraska did double and had some success doing it. They forced Travion into some turnovers early. Uh, he got taken out of the game. Zach came in. Uh, you know, did a good job. But Nebraska continued to to double, sometimes triple triple team in the post um, and that's the way they approached it and for, from Purdue's standpoint the fact that you know Sasha got hot from three-point line just kind of uh, it, it wasn't really about this game for for Sasha it's about what's what's coming down the road now you know this just builds his confidence and should build his confidence heading into the final stretch of the season where Purdue's going to need that, especially on the road at Penn State. Because uh, Penn State can put up some points. You know, Penn State was a tough out at Mackey Arena, and there'll be a tough out uh, in State College. And when they played Penn State the first time, Penn State was coming off a long po- COVID pause. 
so they kind of caught Penn State in that situation. But Penn State played very well and shot the ball very well at Mackey Arena. By the time Stefanovic hit his three-pointers, Purdue had this game, I thought, won. But it became the storyline because of what he had been through uh, since he had returned. And Purdue needed to see him do that. Um, He is their leader when it comes to three-point shooting. Uh, You know, I believe their three-point shooting will go as he goes. Um, And there's, you know, Newman and Ivy are going to take him. Uh, But tonight they just seemed to be at a little bit more rhythm. I thought Purdue had pretty good ball movement to get the, you know, to get to the shooters. They made the extra pass when it was necessary. And they didn't necessarily need Travion to get 25 points. You know, they just needed Travion just to to, to play solid down low, and he did. And Zach, Zach Eadie played solid down low, and Purdue had pretty good balance when you when you look at the final numbers. Uh, and, you know, Purdue won, won a game it should have won by a lot of points, and it did. And that's that's what they needed. But, you know, I think you got to give a lot of credit to Aaron Wheeler. Uh, he... He kind of ignited that 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 stretch, that 21 to four run. He got a rebound basket off a of Brandon Newman missed three pointer. Uh, then the inbounds play, and Purdue is really good at in inbounds plays. Um, they they seem to they seem to score a lot off of those. I, I'd be curious. I mean, it'd take some some serious digging of the metrics and analytics to to figure out if they would lead the Big Ten and scoring off inbounds plays um, or just how many points they've generated uh, from inbounds plays under under the basket this season you know to me that would be a fascinating number to learn I, I don't think Purdue would be willing to share that number because I'm pretty sure they track it but uh, they probably don't won't, wouldn't share that number with uh, the fine folks in the in the local media uh, but uh, you know, Wheeler got a dunk off that. Then he hit a three-pointer uh, from the corner, put him up eight, and they were just kind of underway at that at that point. And you know, Aaron Wheeler has done a really good job this year, accepting his role. Uh, you know, he started the season in the in the starting lineup. Mason Gillis replaced him, and you know, he's just he's just accepted what. Uh, this team needs for him. They need defense and they need rebounding. And the points are, are just kind of bonus. He had seven points tonight, which is his highest output since, uh, I believe, it's his highest output against the Big Ten team this year and his highest output since he scored 10 against Indiana State. And But his value is defense and rebounding, and he has... I think he has stepped up and held his own in that department for most of the year. Now, I know a couple years ago, down at the, you know, when Purdue was making its run through the the NCAA tournament, uh, he was viewed as the next big scorer uh, and all that kind of stuff. Well, that just, you know, that hasn't materialized for him. And he doesn't force shots. He takes shots in the offense. He takes shots when he's open. Uh, and he's not going to get guarded a lot because he hasn't had a lot of success. But when he can knock down the three that he did tonight uh, and then contribute some offense in some other ways, 
that just that that raises his value uh, even even higher for this team. And then when you look at what you what Purdue got out of the four position tonight with Mason Gillis and, and Aaron Wheeler, it's it's a good number. There are good numbers there. Same thing when you in most cases where you know Painter will look at the the combined numbers of Zach Eady and Travion Williams, um, you know for, from a production standpoint, and those two guys have been near 40 a couple times. Um, and that's that's kind of what you're looking for, uh, but you know Aaron Aaron played a big role in this game, and they just needed to continue. They just need him to be solid on the defensive end, need him to be solid in the rebounding department, and if some offense comes his way, then that's fine. Similar to Gillis, although Gillis is probably more of a uh, a threat offensively, uh, been a more consistent three point shooter. You know he's not a high volume three point shooter. Aaron Wheeler can be a high-volume three-point shooter, uh, but you know Purdue's just kind of put this thing together throughout the whole year, where you can see steady progress, you can see steady improvement from individuals and as a group. And you know, I I I, I believe that um, if they can beat Penn State a week from you know next week, next Friday, that. You know, I think they're go, they're going to go into the Big Ten tournament on uh, a pretty good roll, and they're going to have a lot of momentum going into that thing. Now, we I've seen over the years that teams that do get hot at the end, you know, all of a sudden they lose their first game in the in the Big Ten tournament or whatever postseason tournament it is. It doesn't kill their momentum. It just you know maybe it was a bad matchup, but. You know, I think Purdue's going to go in, and as I've said before, I think Purdue will be viewed as one of these teams. You know, if they're not, um, you know, if they're if they're in the top four, they get a double buy, they'll be viewed as a one of these dark horse teams, and especially if they're you know if they're if they're in the fifth spot or the sixth spot, you know, they're going to be viewed as you know that that team that can come from fifth or sixth and win and win the tournament because of how they played how well they've played together uh, and what they've done so far this year even though they haven't beaten other than Ohio State they haven't beaten the Illinois the Iowa or the Michigans of the of the world um, but they put themselves in a pretty good position you know the when you look at their schedule it was really really uh, loaded uh, with road games at the beginning and then, really, the better teams in the Big Ten at the very beginning. You know, they played Ohio State at home. But then, you know, they go to Iowa. They go to Rutgers. You know, they got a Christmas Day game in there against Maryland at home. But then, you know, your first three road games are Iowa, Rutgers, and Illinois. And then you had Michigan State and Indiana at the back end of that stretch. Um, so that was that was a tough schedule for Purdue, but probably a schedule that helped them in the end, helped them get through the first part of the Big Ten schedule, and then allowed them to have some success here in the second part of the Big Ten schedule. But yeah, they, they've won ten games in the Big Ten. Not sure I thought that would happen, but now I think they you know obviously they got a chance to get fourteen or fifteen if. 
or uh, not 14 or 15, but around 14, uh, if, you know, you get that Nebraska game rescheduled, which, you know, I don't, they haven't, they haven't rescheduled that yet. And I, you know, I've been told that they, they will reschedule it. It's on the docket to be rescheduled, but Nebraska's released its schedule through uh, March 7th, which is supposed to be the final day of the regular season. You know, would they dare play that game on March 8th? Like, Nebraska goes to Northwestern on March 7th. Would the Big Ten force Purdue, or force Nebraska, to come to Mackey Arena on their way to the Big Ten tournament in Indianapolis and play the Boilermakers on Monday, March 8th? Now, this is not going to affect Nebraska's seeding. They are going to be the 14th seed. But let's say Purdue's a half a game out of fourth. And by winning the game, Purdue gets the fourth seed. Or, you know, whatever. If What if Purdue needs that game to play that game to get a better seed? And a victory gets them a better seed. I mean, you have to play that game. You've got to... You've got to You've got to give Purdue a chance to play that game and move up in the Big Ten standings. I just don't see how you how you don't play that game if, if there's something on the line. And they may be, and this is me, this is just me speculating. This is me guessing. I haven't talked to anybody about this. This is just me guessing. Maybe they're going to wait and see how it all plays out, and that if Purdue needs that game to move up, and by moving up, as of right now, when you look at the standings. You know, Iowa's ahead of them, but Purdue needs to finish ahead of Iowa because they lost, they lose the tiebreaker with Iowa. But if you know, if they're tied with Iowa for that number four spot, or they're tied with anybody for that number four spot, and they need it, they need to get a win. You got to play that game. You just have to. You know, I just don't think there's any way around it. I think you have to play that game. And right now, the only the only opening to play that game is on uh, that Monday, March 8th. So that's something to watch for, something to, to see how that plays out. You know, Matt Painter has said that, yes, the plan is to reschedule that game and play that game. Uh, but if Purdue doesn't need that game, if they're locked into the five, they're locked into the four, or they're locked into a spot, then the game might not get played. Um, as I said, you know, Nebraska is going to be 14th regardless if they play that game or not. Um so we'll see. But anyway, you know, good win for Purdue. They needed the win. Um, you know, now they have time off. It's just kind of funny. I mean, they, they got a week off while Nebraska's got to go play like three games in six days or seven days or something like that. It's just, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense uh, to me. But, you know, it's COVID. A lot of things don't make sense during this year. Well, we appreciate you stopping by. Any questions, comments, uh, feel free to reach out. Um, email me, um, uh, mcarman at uh, gannett.com. Um, or you can you know DM me on the Twitter machine or find some other way to, to get a hold of me. But again, appreciate you stopping by and uh, have a good day.